Welcome to the Winers Shuffle, the ICTFC fan podcast, the podcast that is saying, surely not. Things haven't been looking good, so you can have an hour of strained and angry debate about the club's predicament, or as we had originally planned, because we actually thought we'd win some of these games, you can have an hour of pub and drink themed chat designed to hopefully cheer everyone up a wee bit, but we'll still do the angry bits, but we'll do a lot more of the drinking bits, all right? So in this pub, Games against Dundee, Alloa, Morton and Wraith. A view from Arbroath's famous firmer, uh, Davy Carson, Scotland squad sir, Sean Rooney and everyone's best Cali Thistle pub tales of drink, debauchery and declining brain cells. We've got a lot of the latter. And we've also got Nightmare 11. Without further ado, let's shuffle. Great Ingress, what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan say when he found a screwdriver? There's it! Join us, if you will, amid the cracked wooden panelling, ripped upholstery, and faint smell of rising damp that is the winest shuffle boozer. The open fire is crackling with bits of paper on which are written the jokes that don't make it into the podcast, imagine. And there's drinks of all varieties on offer, from tenants to Shivas Regal and Cherry Aid. And there's a smell in there you can't quite place, like somebody who might have possibly been sick last night. It might have been you. Who knows? I'll tell you who knows. This lot knows. Welcome to the Wine of Shuffle. We're fed up of not being in the pub, so today we're bringing the pub to the shuffle. Joining me with my pint of tenants uh, in the snug in the corner are Andrew Young, Slippery Nipple. Hello. Cheers. Stevie Riley, Porn Star Martini. How you doing? Hello. Ross McKenzie, Screaming Orgasm. Slams. And Andrew Sutherland, Top Dick. What? <laughs> <laughs> It would be pushed after top deck as well. <laughs> different drinks for different needs. So as we look back on, on the last four games, who or what gentleman has been your Chateau Neuf de Pont, on the, I think I said that right, on the balcony of a French chateau, and what has been your can of K-Cider on a pissy park bench? Uh, as you know, there has been barely any highlights, everybody, so feel free to talk about anything you want. Did you enjoy the Harry and Meghan interview? Uh, are the relaxation outdoor restrictions going to make a big difference in your life? Or have you bought an Easter egg from the supermarket yet? Ross, you've been outside smoking as usual. You've come back in the boozer. What, what's happening? What have you been up to? My life has been utterly miserable since uh, the end of December. And that's all going to change on Monday because my children will return to school. Uh, we're, we're in just an absolute sweet spot where they're nine and eight. They need lots of help with homeschooling. The four of us are in the house together all the time, pretty much for three months. I have not, I have not been alone in my flat for the last three months, which basically means I've had no sex life for that entire three months. So uh, Monday, Monday's a big day. Uh, Sav's in the corner playing Snake on his phone or live tweeting this evening on Bebo or something. Sav, Sav, what have you been up to? No, no, thought the same with everyone else, just getting really, getting thoroughly depressed about um, Inverness Cali Thistle's chance of staying in this um, league. Uh, but while it's not been a lot of highlights on the pitch, there's still been some pretty good stuff in the world of um, social media. Um, I think all of us are probably fair enough to say that you know we'll defend our friends when they get criticised for for anything. So it was quite nice to see on social media uh, one Ben Woods leading to the defence of. Um, I assume one of his friends, uh, current Inverness Cali Thistle and future Wraith Rovers star James Keatings. Uh, as much as I love James Keatings, 
I think it's fair to say he's kind of underwhelmed during his time with Inverness. We've only seen flashes of what he can do. Um, and so Ben uh, Ben Ross was not going to take any of his kind of uh, these kind of comments lying down, and uh, took to Twitter to stick up for Kiso and insulted basically any Inverness Cali Thistle he could, uh, fan he could uh, get in contact with, saying that some had weight issues, some wore glasses and enjoyed trips to spec savers, and also suggesting that some of them have very intimate relationships with their father. So yeah, um, n- nice to see Ben stick up for his mate. So yeah, hashtag be kind. Charming fellow. Riley, Riley, pull yourself away from the puggy in the corner and give us your thoughts. Yeah, no, pretty grim. Yeah, I've just won the puggy, so um, yeah, the drink's on me. But um, as Ross was chatting about kids, kids coming back to school, I, um, I made a baby, so my missus is pregnant. So um, that's oh! what I do. So um, yeah, so lockdowns has its ups and downs, but obviously TV was pretty shit that night, so we made the baby and uh, yeah, a new ICT <laughs> fan and waiting. When's, when's, when's your due? When's yours due? Uh, start of September, 4th of, 4th of September. So where, where do you are second at the 1st of July? So they can... Two new fans. Yeah, yeah. Two, two, new, two new fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Young, Mr. Young, pull yourself away from your, your uh, Jane Austen novel and tell us what you've been up to. Uh, I, I mean, no highlights at all from the football. It's been awful. And uh, I've been avoiding the news and the media because I hate everyone and everything on it. Um, we've got an owl. What? An owl in the garden. Oh. That's a highlight. That's 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 been great. Having an owl that makes me happy. Football shite. Ninety nine percent of people are wankers, but the owl is tremendous. Oh, in what way is it your owl? Is it just an owl that it has settled in your garden? It, it, have, it, you tagged, it, have you tagged it? <laughs> not not yet. Tied it to the pole outside. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I'm in, I'm intended to kind of go up with a ring and kind of put it on his leg or something like that. What's his, yeah, what's his name, Andrew? What's his oh. name? What's his name? Have you named it? Hootie McHootface. Right, okay, there's, there's, oh. a comp- there's, there's competition for everybody. Name A-Wise Owl, right. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to cross the Keswick Bridge, controversially, for my highlight of the last few weeks. Uh, the Tinkers have got a podcast. Uh, the young lad who set it up was in touch with us, saying how much he enjoyed our podcast. He's a, big, he's a big fan. And we said, Andy, you're much better on the pod than you are at commentary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only joking, he's, he's got absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, but we, so we just didn't respond, actually. In fact, we immediately de- deleted the email and blocked the guy. Uh, anyway, their pod is called The Staggy's View. So they've, um, they've not really been taking long to come up with that title, have they? It's yeah, exactly. So, I think we've got a few better ones for them, haven't we? I, I, asked, I asked the boys to go away before uh, the pod and uh, come up with some suggestions for what it could be called. Uh, I'll go first. I, I, think, I think a great name for the podcast would be Caravan Confessions. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Ding Wall of Sound? Nice, it's actually nice. Not bad, that. I just thought I was. I've tried to just think Derek's farm or uh, Roy McGregor's Church of Satan. Oh, what about the Fury of Alex Bone? Uh, don't look into Uncle Roy's eyes. Deed in the headlights. Bambi's dead mother. <laughs> <laughs> any, any of them. They could have had any of them, and they can't have any of them. If they want some of them, no bother. Fire on. But to be fair to the guy, he's only sixteen. So fair play. Um, to them for finally getting their finger out of their arses and getting a podcast going. Right, no matter what time of day you're listening to this, you're all going to need a big drink for this next bit. It's the games. Straighten out my crooked way of thinking Made it pure the pleasure when I drank And it's alright I just hit my stride Games, notable pub games, darts, doms, pool, poker. Neil McCann, he thought he had a full house, but on closer examination, he had like a two, a seven, 
couple of jokers, maybe like that card at the top of the deck, it just says playing cards. So let's let's reset the expectation levels here. Actually, going back to one of the first pods we did this season, we suggested we suggested this might well be a transition season. Bloody well is, isn't it? Um, how close are we to transitioning to League One? Far too close for my liking. Far, far too close. I guess on the positive side, you could say one win or two wins would instantly take us well away from danger up until about what, well, maybe not now, but as of yesterday, third or fourth or something. But I don't know. Um, we don't look like we can buy one at the minute. Yeah, well, let's go Let's go back to um, Dundee away. Um, it's Tuesday, the 2nd of March. We lost that 2-1. This is the game after the Hearts game. So there was still some positivity around then. But if this game was a pint, and these analogies are going to continue for the entire pod. Uh, if this game was, if this game was a pipe, then this this was like a really anticipated, mouth-watering, foamy-headed bad boy. Then you touch the glass to your lips, you take your first sip, and you realise there's no gas in the bastard. Neil McCann reaches over the bar; he's working there. He takes it; his hands are tied, not literally. There's not much he can do. So he gets a clean glass, he chucks the contents in that, and he hands it over. Drink that and enjoy it. That was it. After the relative high of playing Hearts off the park for 30 minutes in McCann's first game, the, 35, four, the first 45 of this was some of the most torturous football we've seen all season. And that was saying something. There was no tempo, there was no organisation, there was no ability to pass the ball to one another. So I would ask each of you, what the fuck happened here? But McCann didn't have the answers in his post-match, so none of you will presumably either. I think one thing that's surprising about it was the fact that Carson was benched after being arguably our best player in the previous games. Um Two explanations for that, I suppose. One is that he was tired. You know, he he played, you know, out of the skin in two previous games, and um, he had just come back from injury. So it's, that's maybe understandable. Um, the alternative might be that Neil McCann felt that Welsh and Allardyce playing the middle would be more effective at kind of linking with the defence and implementing that philosophy of playing out from the back. But either way, it didn't work, and it was proven that it didn't work when uh, Carson came off for Allardyce at half time. And I think Allardyce's own blow purpose our performance might be because he had so little energy in front of him. There was no Carson, as we said, there's no McGregor, you know. Um, I think Dundee used the wide areas much better. They pressed us uh, fairly well from the start. There was decent pace for McMullen and McDade um, in, the, in those areas. And I think we just looked like um, our defenders, as also happened against Alawa, looked like they didn't want to be playing it from the back, didn't know what to do with it when they had it, played it long and just we, we were absolutely dominated throughout the first half with no ideas. It got slightly better in the second half with Carson coming on um, and obviously Toddy got a great goal after or got a decent goal after an excellent cross from Harper but it's pretty frustrating when your left back is the only one providing that sort of penetration and those sorts of crosses. Well, let's move on to Aloha away Saturday 6th of March 1-1 draw. This game was a can of skull. Flat shit and hugely unsatisfying wasn't it? No, it wasn't flat. It was actually, you know, a, a neutral would have enjoyed that game. There were loads of chances at both ends. There was lots of passing football. I've got two pages of notes from that game. Unfortunately, you know, the first page of them are just all of chances in the first half and really poor defending. I think this was the, the way we set up in this game, I thought, showed a degree of arrogance from Neil McCann on, on a number of levels. Firstly, in you know, imposing this style of football on players who clearly are not comfortable playing it, M- Mark Ridgers most notably, um, and and then also on on taking it to that extent, to that level against Aloha. And anybody who's watched Aloha and the way that they play would have known they are ideal 
to press us, to press our back four who were uncomfortable with the ball and, and to create chances and pressure off the back of that. And that's what they did. It improved as the, as the game went on, but this was a very, very, very difficult watch. Positive. Todorov's goal. Fantastic finish. Great wee pass from Shane, I think. One thing about that goal, I mean, it was, it was a lovely goal and it was a really nice ball through from Shane. It came from almost a lucky break of the ball. You know, it wasn't like it came at the end of a sustained period of domination or kind of composed build-up. Um, I think um, the ball got loose uh, from the touchline. Uh, Dees was able to kind of slide it forward to Sutherland. Sutherland put in that lovely ball. Toddy finished. And it was great, yeah. Um, but it would be nice to feel that we had scored after kind of a sustained period of pressure rather than just, you know, getting a lucky break of the ball and, and using it well, you know. But yeah, it was, it was a nice one. Oh, moving on to Morton at home on Tuesday the 9th of March because we have to. Uh, this was the season's dregs all poured into one glass and he served with some fag ends floating on the top. I honestly thought we started okay here. I thought it was um, higher tempo, more possession, higher up the park. We limited them to a couple of counter-attacks, but what, once the goal goes in, we just look dead on our feet again. That's happening in most games, isn't it, guys? Yeah, we've seen this movie before, haven't we? Recently, I think it's the carbon copy of the Queen's game at home. Very similar to the Alloa game, although we got a point out of that. It's, it seems to be that when teams play... A certain way against us, we've got little creativity to go around them. I think we'll talk about the race game last night. It's a bit of an improvement, but yeah, we 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 give away we give away a chance to the team. The, cl- the cr- clinical score a goal, and then they sit back, and we're, we're, we're devoid of any any ideas of trying to break them down. And yeah, I saw that movie a few weeks beforehand, and yeah, exactly the same as I said. It's, it's been seen before, and it's not nice to watch. I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't as impressed to be honest especially for the first half hour, where nothing really happened apart from the cross-in for Sterling, who somehow managed to head it over about six yards out. I think the only other thing I can think of is we call crosses is probably Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, apart from maybe McGregor um, and Allardyce, I mean, I wasn't that impressed with, with our showing for most of this game. Um, I thought these defending for the goal initially was quite poor. Uh, the, the concerning thing for me is that, yet again, we've conceded the first goal um, in a game. We've done that in 12 out of the 19 games this season. Um, and any time we do concede the first goal, we've only come back to win one game, and that was our growth early in the season. The rest of the time, we've um, drawn seven games and lost four. So, turn that into a positive. We've actually recovered to mm-hmm. quite the most points out of any side in the league after, after conceding the first goal. Um, but the problem for me is that I think if teams can get one goal against us, they're basically good for a point minimum, if not a win. And I think that kind of points towards our problems up front. We just don't score enough goals. We don't take the chances. There was a sense in the morning game of a kind of collective low low confidence. I don't I don't right. like particularly to question players' work rates, especially especially collectively. If you've got a problem where the whole team isn't isn't working hard enough, then that that's a management problem. That's for some reason the group isn't able to work well for each other and well together. Um, and if you, okay, you see an individual not putting in the work, James Keatings, um, that's a different story. But to, to call the whole team out on that, I don't think you can do that as a manager. If if your team isn't working, then it's your problem as a manager. Thankfully, I think we saw a much better approach in the in the, the subsequent race. A Misty Badger is supposedly uh, a baffling and horrifying combination of absinthe and tequila. The team selection against, against Wraith 
was somewhat of a misty badger, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I was I was on uh, Twitter duties last night, and I kind of with the various permutations that I was suggesting. The last one was Carson at right back? Question mark exclamation mark exclamation mark Surely not. So I think we all remember his um, debut at right back against Dundee United at the start of last season, and it, and it was pitiful. But it worked. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's harsh. Yeah. That's harsh. Well, I know. Actually, no, I'm going to say it's harsh, but who was the dick in the stand that actually gave him no quarter? It was you aye, absolutely aye. screaming at the poor guy. I know. Um, th- th- to be fair, that was a baptism of fire for him. Um, and he, you know, he was just getting accustomed to the football club. But, he, yeah. the, but his performance well, in this game was superb. The one thing I will say, actually, about last night, and also I'm not going to totally talk about the game in general but, or, or at any length, but um, you talked about the body language being much better. Um I think it was, but not for the first 15, 20 minutes. I thought we looked shell-shocked for the first 15 minutes, or at least. And then it was almost like there was this collective sort of realisation that the one certain route to relegation is that we hide and things are going wrong. And it's almost like the players just thought, right, we've just got to go for it. And it was night and day. It was like the energy levels all just simultaneously went up. But it was it was a much better performance here, wasn't it? Though I mean, you talk about that sort of a war, war, um, war of attrition at the start, backs to the wall. McCann's like, Passing game seemed to have, seemed to have gone. It's like that's that's a failed experiment. Let's forget about that. Has he just then gone in with this pragmatic approach to win this game? And do you think that bodes better for the rest of the season, Ross? Well, you, I do think that he's rode back. You can see that from Ridgers. Ridgers is looking for the the long kick out on the break, um, really for the first time in this game. And I did it a little bit maybe in the Morton game, but more so. Also, in terms of the kind of flatness of the four in midfield, I thought that that, that was a very flat four at times. And it looked to me like it was the priority was to make that solid above all else. Um, I do think that Allardyce and Welsh together there might be the way that we, we give that solidity. And Davy Carson's just going to have to be more utility. You could play him, you could play him in right midfield. Um, or you can play him at right back, or maybe there's occasions where you need three in the middle. But we actually we created a few, we created quite a few chances eventually in the game, and it's only that lack of quality up front that prevented us from taking them. Shane Shane had his one on one. The BBC commentators were giving him a lot of credit for d- trying to dink it over. I think if it, even if it had got over McDonald, a defender might have covered it because there was no pace on it. And the thing about it, Shane Todorov, Dan Mackay. I don't know of any. You wouldn't bet on any of those players playing full time football next season, would you? So that's I, the level I, I of quality we're dealing with. No, Todorov has got all the attributes to be a professional full time yeah. football. Thank he you can't guess. control the ball. I mean, he basically his touch is absolutely horrendous. Todor, Todorov and Shane were the guys getting us up the pitch in, in the race game. Todorov and Todorov's hold up play has been night and day from last season in the games he's played this season. Apart from when it bounces day. off his shin out for a throw in, which is like about nine times out of ten. If he was playing, if Todorov was playing for another team in this division, right, everybody would be raving about him because he'd be like, well, brute up front. Because he does, he wins a lot of headers. How many headers did he win in the race game? Play this back to me when Todorov's got his big move next season. If if you're in a position that we're in right now, the players that you need to inspire your team is the likes of Allardyce and Todorov. Do you know why, right? Because you need to win first balls and you need to win second balls. And the two of them did that all day long against Wraith. Sudden outburst of love for Todorov is just weird. Like it's practicality. If you're looking at a pragmatic approach to trying to stay in the division, then that's what you need. Right. What we need for the rest of the season is what we saw in that first game against Wraith. We need Buckfast. It's not pretty or enjoyable, but it gets a fucking job done. You got no soul, rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well. well.
Now on to a rare highlight this season. Um, first two games back and he's in the SPFL Team of the Week both weeks, making his debut on the Winers Shuffle. It's Davey the Ginger Iniesta Carson. So it's uh, the morning after night before we, we played um, Race Overs. We'll talk about that, but just going back a little bit about you now, that's, well, we've come up two years since you signed. I think it was May 2019 that you signed initially. Um, how's life up in the Highlands? Uh, I really enjoy it, to be fair. Uh, quiet compared to what I'm used to, I suppose, back in the northeast. But a uh, lovely place to live. Um, I'm up here with the missus. We've settled down really well. Uh, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. Enjoying playing for the club. Enjoying the full aspect of living up here outside of football. So yeah, I've, I've got nothing but uh, high praise of the place. I think it's probably... Especially this season, I think she's obviously having your missus up there because I know a lot of boys obviously don't their families there or, or some people boys were living alone. Does that make it a wee bit, wee bit easier off the park? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. It does, I. It does, uh, obviously, moving up to a, a new place with with your partner. She's new to the, uh, she would be new to everything at the time as well. So, yeah, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a case of when I was moving up here, it wasn't if she would move, it was she was moving. It was, she was never going to let me come up here by myself, you know what I mean? So, uh, no, nah, but it has, a, it's helped us settle down, folks, on the football and, yeah, she's kept us right when she's out. When you came back, obviously, off the bench against Queen, I know you've been round and round about the team for a few weeks, but you felt like a new signing. Um, how how frustrating was that to get, to obviously wait a long time to get back into the team? Uh, it, was, it was massively frustrating. I mean, we had the time away, uh, everyone was obviously we, we couldn't be in the club so we're all doing our own things keep myself fit taking over and we come back at pre-season and to be fair I'd kept myself fit I was doing all the running sessions felt good and as soon as the ball came out I think it was the first session when the ball came out that was that was me kind of uh, felt the injury and I had to go through the procedure of getting diagnosed with what the problem was getting scans and it was frustrating to see the boys then going on to start friendlies, which I couldn't be involved in. And then I was driving past the training pitch to go to physios and seeing the boys training. It was it was devastating, especially knowing that once I've done that, you have to go back in the house because there's nothing you can do with the current uh, situation. So, yeah, it was massively, massively uh, frustrating. But like I say, I'm at the other end of that now. And uh, the, physios, the physio team and the, and the staff worked well with us to, to get us back to where I am now. So... Yeah, it was a there was a there was a few few games where I was kind of involved on the bench, but I didn't really feel like I, I was going to be a part of it kind of thing. I wasn't going to be like uh, used. I was kind of there to just feed my way back in because I didn't want to kind of rush us, but it was kind of I wanted to be involved with the boys. I wanted to be around to get a feeling kind of kind of back because, like I say, I, w- I was with the physios and, and never really never really seen a lot of the boys on a daily basis. So I always knew it wasn't going to be. The kind of thing where oh, I'm back training, I'll be straight in the team because one, I had to get fit without any friendlies, and two, you've got boys performing and boys waiting for the lads that don't perform to, t- to take their spot. So, yeah, it was always going to be a long road to get back in the team, but it was a challenge at the game that, that I would never never shy down from. I backed myself every way. So, for most of the fans, your performance against the air was, was superb. I mean, for 90 minutes, you never stopped, and it just shows obviously that you were, you were chomping a bit to get back in. Were you, were you happy with your performance against the air? Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I kind of was waiting for my chance, and I knew when I come. I've said before, I didn't get didn't didn't get chances in friendly, so it was it was basically the gaffer said to us, go out there and give us everything you got. We'll probably aim for sixty because, like you see, you've had, you've had no kind of build up of games, 
Um, and I went out there and gave everything I got. I started to get tired a bit. But um, look, when you're playing the game of football, especially when you're winning, you keep going right till the end. So no, I thought the boys were tremendous on that day. I think from the first half, I think the first 10, 15 minutes, we were right right up against it. But the wind and everything, I think the conditions, we, we couldn't literally couldn't get out, but the boys defended for the life. And then we get a good chance in it and Dan puts it away and, and that settles us down a bit. And like I say, I think we're worthy winners on that day. And yeah, I, I was pleased to be back, especially winning ways. And then obviously after that, we, we get the news, obviously the gaffer was taking a little little step backwards and a, a wee break and Neil McCann's come in. How's, um, how's that been for you? Because I, I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I mean, you've just come back into the team, Rob was giving you 90 minutes and then he's away and then you've got to maybe impress a new gaffer all over again. Is that... Is that good or bad for you? How's it, how's it worked out? Um, to, to be fair, when when Neil's come in, he's been he's been tremendous with with every uh, everyone. He's he spoke to players individually, spoke to players collectively, and put his own his own twist on it. And I think when I when I spoke to him, he obviously he um, he, he mentioned all my attributes and what I was good at and what I could bring to the team, and he liked us. Um, he goes from the A game and we, we played the Alloa game straight after and he was in the stand at the time and he was like, I'm surprised that you actually got through that game with uh, just playing in nigh on a year with the A game to turn around and play on the Tuesday because we were struggling on the Monday to be fair. Um, and I went out on the Tuesday and he says that I kind of believe the energy and you still like you could keep going towards the end of the game. So it was just one of them where I just kind of dug in and made sure that everything that I'd been working on to get myself to the stage that I was at, I couldn't, I couldn't do any more. Um, apart from, like I say, work work as hard as I could, run my socks off. And since he's coming, he's been he has he's been brilliant. And it's like I say, I think because I'd come back from such a, a long time out and performed maybe in two games, uh, it kind of won him over, I suppose. Or he could see what I was about because of how I've how I've come back and performed within four days, uh, two ninety minutes. So, so how's it? I mean, look from the outside, it looks like. He's tweaked to stay a little bit. Looks like we're maybe passing a bit more from the back. Is that something that he, he implemented right away, or is he drip fed it in? Because it certainly is a change from when John was in charge. Yeah, I mean, he has changed. He has ch- changed quite a bit um, in terms of structure, in terms of how he wants to play. Um, but as, just on that, when he came, so he came in on the Tuesday night. Uh, we found out about we were in for the Wednesday recovery. And then we only had the, the third day to train with him. And he had, mm-hmm. to be fair, he, he gave us a lot of information, which we went out of heart. And I think because it was a new gaffer, boys went out there and and performed. And we were on the TV and we're playing against all oh, the big boys in the league or whatever you want to call them. So his style worked. And I thought, well, we do, we probably done enough to try, maybe nick that game and we conceded a poor goal. But we then struggled, I think, because of the, the turnaround of games and not having enough time in between them for him to fully implement uh, on what he was doing or for boys to, more so boys to understand uh, their their roles and the way he wanted to play. So maybe some of us have been have been stuck in between a little bit um, and trying to implement what the gaffers, the new gaffer's been saying and how we how we were playing. Um, but he's changed a lot and uh, from, from last night, I think you can see that uh, there's a lot of positives to take from last night regarding... Uh, the chances with Korea and, and the way that we play. A lot, a lot of stuff's happened this season that's not went in our favour, but yeah. what's been said amongst the boys, I mean, I think it's fans, I mean, we were looking at playoffs a few weeks ago, what's what's just uh, the atmosphere like around training when you can train, because I know obviously they're few and far between at the moment. 
No, I think uh, we we had a we had a collective kind of conversation the other day saying, look, like we are where we are. I think we took for granted that we had uh, games in hand, but them games in hand have gone. It's all right saying you've got games in hand, but them games in hand don't uh, aren't guaranteed for you to pick up points. I know we haven't picked up enough points in them. With uh, I've said before, we probably drew far too many games this season. So once once them games have gone, we're now looking at the league thinking. We haven't really got any games in hand and the league's tight and we are where we are now. Like We kind of get out of it apart from winning the games when other, when other teams are playing at the same time. We haven't got the catch-up games to, to get us out of it. So I think it was kind of a... Maybe it's a wake-up call for some. Maybe it's, that's not picking on younger players or whatever, but I don't maybe think they might have understood how much of a how much of a task that we were going to be in if we didn't pick up points. And uh, I think... Now that we've had the chat and it's, it's clear to see if you look at the league that we are we're in a fight for definite. Um, but the the players and the characters that we've got in, in that dressing room are more than capable to get us out of that uh, the situation that we're in. Um, we just got to stick together and just just understand that every one of us needs to be pulling in the same direction to to ultimately. Uh, Get us, get us out of this this kind of fight that we're in. No, oh, it's good to hear, mate. And I know I've been fans' comments today. They were, I mean, you were man of the match for myself and most of the boys last night. Um, I'm sure right back isn't your preferred position, but I see, I see a future there in terms of maybe you slipping back in there and giving us a good bit of cover and obviously someone that can take the ball forward. Is that something you're comfy doing, or would you rather be back in the middle of your of the park? That I'm com- I'm comfortable doing that. Um... Like I say, uh, or, or like you said, sorry, it's, it's not probably my preferred position. I didn't come here as a right back. Um, but I said in the press yesterday, look, the situation that we're in, uh, again, boys need, boys need to dig in and, and get us out of this. And if that's required for me to play there for one game, whether it's me required to play there at the end of the season, like, that, the position's not a problem. Um, it's ultimately I want to I want to get this club back to where they should be, and if that if that means I'm required to play a fullback, then I play a fullback. It's as simple as that. I'm not gonna I'm not one of these who who dwells on anything or thinks oh well I should be playing in, in the middle. Look, it's, if the the gaffer come to us and he, and he and he believed that I could do a job last night, and look, I've gone out and it, it's worked. It, it might not work, but it has, and it's always an option. And if if I'm required to play there, I'm more than happy to play there. Uh, like I said, probably give Sean Rooney a few phone calls and get a bit of uh, advice from him. <laughs> another, another tough running games coming up again. Not much uh, time off, so I'm sure the players are looking forward to these games. Yeah, they are. The, the massively looking forward to it. I think I said in the press last week or something that about the Bucky game. We can't look look past it, and I was excited. And I actually came out the room, and when I came out the room, Fiona says, oh, you, you, "You do realise you're still banned for the Bucky game." Oh, because, of the, because, of, because of the Hibs last last uh, season, I got booked in the quarterfinals, so I would have missed ah. the semis if we were handing me and me and Cole to Marco. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a, a kick in the teeth, but look, I'll make sure, and I'm sure the boys do know anyways, that we get through that game, we've got we've got a massive game uh, against Ross County, which which I, I think I did say that it could, it could maybe kick us on and, and give us that bit of confidence or or give us that bit of togetherness, or, or whatever the case may be. If if we were to come out on the on the better side of the result on that day, then you never know what can happen because we need to put a few wins together. And if we if we get a positive result out of that, then uh, I'm sure the boys will. I'm sure the boys will kick on from there. 
Right, brilliant to hear from uh, Davy Carson there. Uh, I thought he spoke. I thought he spoke fantastic, to be honest. He said some of the things I think most fans have been looking for players to say for a long time. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'd say if he was contracted for next season and if he did get a contract for next season, I think this is the sort of guy we should be building a team around. I would even say a future captain. Yeah, for me, he's captain material. I think he, he, you've seen in the, like, the last few games, I mean, little niggle with Kai Kennedy last night was nice to see. And uh, who, who could forget Smelly Breast incident with Craig Gordon, which I thought was brilliant. Um, I mean, he, he kept Kai Kennedy pretty quiet, who, again, was, was probably one of your danger men. I don't think Kennedy had much change out of last night. So. The key question is, is Carson out of contract in the summer? Yeah, the two, two-year deal last year. So I think that's a worry. We've got a lot of players... Uh, um, it's going to be an overhaul, I think, anybody, regardless of where we so are. So is this going to be, is this the wine is shuffle curse then? Everybody we interview just pisses off. Yeah, you've just said it again. You've reminded me that that's what happened, yeah. So, well, we'll come in and talk endeavours. <laughs> oh, shut up, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Ross. <laughs> anyway, we love you, we love you, Nikolai. We love you, Pubs. The pub. Alas, my friend, we knew you so well. Scythe down, he crawled, knelt, stood. I saw him in the crow, newt stag, all weathers, noon and night. I saw him in the feathers, salutation, navigation, not the bricklayer's arms. Hop in, the maypole in the regiment, the horse and groom, the dog and duck, the flag. And where he supped, the past lived still, and when he sipped, the glass brimmed full. He was in the king's head and the queen's arms. I saw him there, green man, well-born, spellbound. Charming one, John Barleycorn. That's a poem, John Barleycone by uh, Carol Ann Duffy. Don't get much poetry in this podcast, usually do. Right, the pub. Um, long long gone, but not and never forgotten. I once went to a pub with two different shoes on. Uh, we and many of you have been travelling around the country for 26 years, watching Cali Thistle matches, meeting like-minded people, and experiencing some of the very best and the very worst of Scotland's pubs. Let us cast our minds back to hazy memories of of your and um, we asked supporters to get in touch with their favorite pubs over the years and um, so we're going to mention some of them we're going to talk about some of our own favorite places and tales that may or may not have taken place but for starters what, what you're drinking boys i've got a wee i've got a lovely i say pint it's a can of paulozzi it's poured into a glass what, what we what we all got yeah i've got a nice little um 6.8 percent um fruited sour so it's a sour cherry peach with a lot of lactose through it so for um you Lactose haters then get it right up you, but it's from Left Handed Giant, so it's a beautiful, nice little sour that will uh, take you on to a. The the lactose intolerant of the last people that Riley's allowed to abuse on this podcast. (laughs) I thought you were a beer beer fan, not a chemist. <laughs> yeah, so it's a nice little fruit and sour that will take me on a nice eight percent dipper that's nice, nicely chilling in there. I like how you got top. like a wee, you got a, got them all set up. You got a wee list. Go oh, you it. have to. You can't, you can't be mixing your IPAs with your dippers, with your nipas, and your sours. You know, you've got to, you've got to balance right. them out. Right, Ross, what have you got? <laughs> um, I'm on uh, just a Chilean cab sav. Um, I start, that's know, for the uninitiated youngsters. That's a that's a wine. It's a red wine, a Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, from South America. Uh, really good value in New World Reds these days. Um, I did look into getting some Chateau Neuf du Pape, which I think is what which I think is what Moff uh, was trying to say at the start of his pub. Um, you can tell I'm, you can tell I'm not a wine drinker, despite my red but, face. Uh, there was there weren't any in Tesco's under uh, under under eighteen pounds. So uh, no, I pay, I pay eight pounds for a bottle of red wine, and uh, it's very very good value. 
Mr Sutherland, what are you imbibing this evening? I'm drinking tea, so I'm going out on my bike after we've done this. Right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr Young, <Topic>. quickly, quickly, <laughs> move on. Mr Young? Uh, I'm just in a brew dog lost lager because it was uh, 50p off my club card. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The, the <laughs> wide selection of, uh, of uh, tastes that uh, the Wine and Shuffle members partake of. Um, okay, uh, let's kick off with pubs. I'll kick off with A for Aloha and the season before this, Drysdale and Sons. We contacted uh, this boozer last season about uh, a space to record on a way day uh, for, a, for a podcast. Um, their idea, this pub's idea of the podcast and the numbers that might be involved sort of differed somewhat from us, given, given us as they did the entirety of their upstairs function room uh, and the four of us turned up. Uh, and we even got our own barman. That was that was quite. Well, we then had we were obligated to spend hundreds of pounds in the place. That wasn't a bad day, I was, was it? Give some love to Drysdale's because it, it was brilliant the way that they let us, um, you know, they let us record, and um, I don't know, we kind of let them down. But the first time that I went there it was just me and Riley, and I don't know what the fuck we stumbled on, like. But um, we got into Alaba really early. It was about half eleven in the morning, and we saw Drysdale's. Um, and we thought, oh, this looked a bit classier than Weatherspoons. So we kind of wandered in, and um, it was like everyone in there, and it was totally stout. It was half 11 in the morning, and everyone in there seemed to be in their 50s, wearing cowboy hats and leather waistcoats and shorts. And they'd all reached, you know, that really dangerous stage of kind of like unfocused staring drunkenness that you get, um, even though it was only half 11 in the morning. And it was like we'd sort of... Uh, stumbled across the Alawa Garth Brooks Swingers Club's annual day out or something like that. Um, Steve, Steve, you would have done well then. Was, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never, I never left. I, I never lived in Alawa. It's my local. It was the sort of thing that, see, see if, it, if it had been at a film, then the next frame, Riley and I would have been in a cage somewhere in the back shop, you know, <laughs> in the cowboy hats and, and, and like nothing else, sort of dancing unhappily to Cotton Eye Joe. So I was on large Boone Havens from when we met there. There's no way they made a profit from the bottle of Buna Haven that I drank. Because it was like fucking, it was about 150 for a 35 mil measure of Buna Haven. You kind of make a profit of that. But then yeah, when we came back in after the game, the old timers that were sitting at the bar were, hey, it's Buna Haven! <laughs> <laughs> if, if anyone remembers listening to that podcast, uh, Ross said quite a lot at the start and not anything by the end because he'd practically fallen asleep. Ross and AY remember then, the Alamo in Paisley. So, um, Talking about a country western bar, this is a, a, a pub that's still there. It, it was next to where Love Street used to be for all, some of the older listeners. So the um, basically, it, it's basically the West of Scotland Line Dancing Association's bar. So they go in there and there's <laughs> gas groups and all the all the little slap seems, your thigh music. Seems to be a, a theme sort of uh, theme with you, Stevie. The staff, when you ask for a pint, say it's three pounds. It's now three dollars in their place because obviously we're you know in the states, so they everything's in dollars and. I think AY was there when I, um, we got pies, remember, with the little fly in the middle, <laughs> oh, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, we get, we, they dish out um, pies, which were obviously cooked about three weeks beforehand and reheated. And uh, yeah, we will give them a tray of pies, which we bit into to see a couple of dead flies sitting on the plate. And, um, and <laughs> when, we, when we shouted up to the bar staff that we had dead flies in the plate, she just flicked it off with her pinky and says, enjoy the pie. So the years ago, obviously, you know, we used to, well, me and some mates, we used to go get a minibus from now and again, you know, uh, the Phoenix used to put on a wee bus for us and used to get people from the Phoenix and we go down in the bus mm. and then for some reason, I think we just picked a Motherwell, Motherwell game, I don't know if it's a league game, I don't know if it's a cup game, my memory of games is pretty hazy, but um, so we're boozing all the way down from Inverness, we get to Motherwell and then the bus pulls into the car park 
And then the guy who's standing at the, the carport bit went to the window. He goes, all right, uh, are you the team? Bus is littered with cans and <laughs> bags of crisps and fucking just drink of every paraphernalia. Like, aye, we're the team. Fucking <laughs> moron. What is another good one? D, Dickens. Dickens in uh, Perth. Does anyone remember Dickens in Perth? It's a good music. The, the, the only good pub in Perth, because it's not many of them. It's got a sausage dog. What are they called in sausage dogs? Daxons. Dax, Dax, ah, they seem to, I, uh, seems to live there, but it's not the best story of a boozer in Perth with animals, is it, Stevie? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was, I've got, well, that must be about 210, 211, wasn't it? So we're in a, I can't remember the name of the pub, but your brother was there and you were there with a few of the boys where we were into a pub and uh, there was a magician and a exotic <laughs> animal show going on. So um, after about five minutes, and then I've got a parrot on my shoulder, which some of the boys just seen a photo of, and... Um, yeah, and, and, a, and a random Perth boozer before a game, uh, about one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sitting on my car on my shoulder trying to get torn into my time. Remember in Perth, we went to, it was a, it was a midday kickoff um, against St. Johnson. It was a game, I think we had a shout at getting into Europe if we'd won it um, towards the end of a season pre, pre-Scottish Cup. And I can't remember exactly the season. Anyway, Moff had arranged for, because you can't get a drink before midday usually on a Sunday but Moff had arranged for some kind of, pro- or before 10 or whenever we were arriving, Moff had arranged for some private members club to open up for us. That was it. Um, is that, that the same pub, is it? That's the same place, yeah. yeah. That's the place where we got cans to take away and then took them in the taxi to the ground and then poor Martin oh. uh, Martin got turned away from a 12 o'clock kickoff. Oh, yeah. uh, I put, <laughs> Poor Martin, who's also like a celebrated author. Yeah, we're good to cut he, he wasn't. Out. He wasn't even drinking, and my brother gave him a can of K-Cider, the aforementioned K-Cider, and he got out. He didn't have any of it. He got out of the taxi. He had one sip out of the can, and the steward saw him, and he didn't get in the game. <laughs> what about um, some of the suggestions from our from our listeners and Twitter and whatnot? Um, what were they saying? Christopher Lindsay mentions behind the wall in Falkirk, taking us on to F, uh, where <laughs> allegedly one of the hosts of the pod got refused service for being too drunk at eleven a.m. Well, you probably, don't, you probably don't, you remember, don't remember. Although, yeah, actually, I, I was there, I think, with Ross and Martin that day, and um, I remember seeing the author of that tweet um, sitting spiral-eyed at the bar, kind of swaying and un- unable to drink, so uh, slight hypocrisy there. He also, in common with um, several other people, mentioned the London Road Tavern in, um, in outside Parkhead with the um, no ladies look except the disabled one, um, people being offered a drink out of the European Cup, there being a raffle where the um, prize is a framed photo of the Pope with a Celtic shirt <laughs> on it. Okay, so uh, a couple of our listeners have mentioned uh, Stranraer, I think probably because of the pub that was literally called the pub. So yeah, Shoris and Ross P have both talked about that, uh, the pub and the football bar. Uh, lots of people mentioning the Foden Hand, uh, which is obviously a great Leith bar. Paul Kane's um, pub? Yeah it's, now, yeah, it's now changed its name apparently, which I think is a real shame. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been bought by Derek Rardin and a drug dealer. Never been in there, and we always used to go to the Iona, didn't we, when we played Hibs and stuff, mm-hmm. so never been to the four in the hand. No, I was in the four in the hand before the, they gave us their function suite, I think, uh, before the first heart semi. I can realise um, in for Hibs games, I don't know if we'd be welcome now, since we're all honorary jambos. <laughs> um, just going back to the listeners, uh, I don't want to impute... Um, alcoholism to Lynn McDonald in any way, shape or form, but she's like <laughs> nominated at least four different pubs. Uh, London Road Tavern was one. Uh, the Mallard was another one. 
she mentioned that classic in the ship in in air in two thousand ten, oh, which I think is just one one of everyone's favourite um, mm-hmm. away days, like the entire pub spilling out into the street and just drinking by the river air. I wish I, and, I wish I wish I could remember more about that one. Oh, it's brilliant! Oh God, I the state of you, by the way. Um, well, that was the day I got attended to by paramedics. And Lynn also mentions the Norseman in Greenock, which is an absolutely mm-hmm. classic pre-match throwback. Yeah. Built yeah. out of concrete um, stairs that every that you stick to on the way up, you know. And that kind of classic um, two-tier sort of um, dance floor and um, seating area, <laughs> you know, beloved of the 60s. And you can get around for like £8. Adam McPhail, um, who uh, is a, a, a fan of the pod and also has had his own kind of um, story attached to Dickens in Perth that we won't kind of mention. He mentions uh, <laughs> that Fanny by Gaslight has not had a mention yeah. yet. Um, that Right, Fanny McGaslight is absolutely the perfect post-match pub. It's like literally, mm-hmm. it's a minute's walk from the station. It's next to an off-license for a carry-out, so it couldn't be more convenient. But yeah. the problem is that that's, that combination is kind of like a recipe for utter jakery. It's, it's um, got, it's, it has the lighting of the pit of Hades. It's the darkest, yeah. darkest mm-hmm. loser I think I've ever been in. I actually, I it's remember it's actually a rock bar. It's pretty, it's pretty, I mean, it's more like a, I would say, gossip bar, but at night time it gets, it gets quite heavy and stuff, and it's a great boozer, but... Yeah, I remember being in there, I think, I was in there with Ross, I think, and our friend Simon, like uh, years and years ago, and they just had a a facelift, um, which meant they'd given it a basically given it a coat of paint and refelt of the pool table, and they were kind of giving out badges to kind of celebrate this, and the badges obviously had kind of unsubtle kind of slogans relating to the pub's mm-hmm. name. My wife's very very relaxed about me going off to the football and coming home in all sorts of states of disrepair and doesn't usually comment, but um, she came through the next morning and she found me kind of passed out in the sofa, boots still on coat still on and a big neon pink badge with fanny on it she was just like yup <laughs> um we we're talking about uh greenick earlier on the the norseman's brilliant but um i don't know if you've ever been in a lighthouse no you've obviously no, seen uh, more of than us that is that, that can't that, be near the ground surely it's not it's not near the ground it's right down at the docks well what i suppose used to be the docks and um we were in there a couple of scenes ago me and my mates and there's like the four of us and now, four of us in the pub, and there were some old boys at the bar. It's like three three quid a pint, and they're all turning around and staring at us now and again. And then eventually the barman comes over, and you're like, oh, what, what's going on here? Like, he's going to ask us to leave for no good reason. And he leans in and he says, you boys like chicken pakoda? <laughs> and we, we, so we say, like, slightly uncertainly, yeah, yeah, don't mind it. And then 50 minutes later, a rake of pakoda appears on the table, like, gratis. He's like, aye, no bother. And that's it. I, I, that just left. And they never spoke to us again the entire time we were in the boozer. It's like, that is just, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever heard of Greenock Hospitality. I can thoroughly recommend Greenock Hospitality. Uh, back to the listeners, a few others. Uh, Nicola Addy, uh, SPL Jaggy. Uh, another friend Addy? Nicola D? Nicola D. Nicola D. Uh, Nominates the old city bar in Bucharest, which I think all of us adore, although Ross's memories may be hazier than most. Um, Rum Shambles mentions the same as well as pubs in Charlton and uh, Birmingham that we've been to. Mr. Lindsay Campbell talks about Star and Garter in Partick, says he went in after we beat them 2 1 in the Cup. The Six Nations was on. He got um, uh, into a few Harry Rags, watched the Scotland game, forgot his missus was in the hotel in her girl street, went to be taken for dinner, and ended up getting dumped. Any more for any more? I, I want to do. I've, I want to talk a little bit about 
Inverness pubs and my relationship with Inverness pubs, I'm sure Moff will probably Please talk about the keg, please. Well, no, no, it's just no. like, I mean, as a, as a kid, going to Telford Street, my dad, probably late 80s, I remember being dragged up to the Muir Inn at half time. That was a thing. Um, they would they would scuttle off up to the Muir Inn and then they wouldn't come back in time for the start of the second half, which was really... So I hated pubs, you know, when I was seven, eight years old because the pub just meant missing the start of the second half. Um, and obviously later in life, the Innes played a huge part um, in, in my life as a Cali fan. And the Innes, for a period, was absolutely buzzing before and after matches. And um, it declined along with the fortunes of the club unfortunately the atmosphere in there but what I really want to talk about and I hope I hope it'll get kept in is is, is about the Phoenix um, which is not about Cali Thistle it's, it's a pub that's steeped in, in, in Inverness football history the Phoenix for me for a Cali home game there'd be this kind of downtime between the Innes kind of chucking out and everybody all the middle aged guys in the Innes going home about half six seven and the market not being quite lively enough to go to yet so I would go to the Phoenix for those hours, those kind of seven till nine, get a sausage supper from the Academy Street chip shop, take it over to Phoenix and be regaled with stories about pre-merger Highland football from Thistle Rebels like Tonto and uh, Dunkey Monroe and their Cali counterparts Chizzy and Echo, with Plockton John, the county fan in the middle. Um, and I also, I used to work the 11am till 3pm shift in the Phoenix um, and it was a different generation of customers in there but the chat was the same it was about Inverness football just from a previous generation and there was a guy in there who's my favourite pub character who I, re- I really want to raise here Was it Lewis McDonald? No, it's not Lewis McDonald although I certainly had some interactions with him in the Phoenix <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's wee red Davy McDonald who I think did play for Thistle at one time in his life but at this point is in his early 80s about four and a half foot at best sitting in the far corner of the horseshoe bar surrounded by farm foods bags and he was such a lovely gentle guy um, until about midday when he was on his fourth large grants and then he would just start looking for a scrap with Cali fans he was a big Thistle fan Davy and he'd sit at the bar and start banging his fist going jaggy 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 that's how it all started and everybody would just kind of flee away from him and then he would start kind of swiping his walking stick around looking for Cali fans um, to have a scrap with and there was one apparently in a photo of uh, the Phoenix from the 50s or 60s behind him and he would start hitting the photo with his uh, walking stick um, so I just wanted to give a wee shout to, to Wee Red Davy there Phoenix used to be my local no no, well, great boozer. Uh, and next door was Lafferty's, or which was the Rock Garden and Dino's, a number of different names. And I remember one time drinking in there and uh, being slight tackled by Alex Williams of County at the time. Uh, what did you do to provoke the slight tackle, Moff? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Okay, we're going to finish off uh, the drinking section with uh, one of our old, one of our old favourites. Basically, where you get a player's name and you you give a theme and you've got to try and uh, basically just fit them in. So ICT players as drinks, stroke pub stuff. So uh, we'll just go. Everyone, jump in. I've got to start us off with Stuart Duff beer. Our new manager is Neil McCann's. Uh, former midfielder Ian Black and Tan. Or general one. Is anyone in the group a uh, Danny the wine drinker? Uh, what about Castle Main Forzauza? <laughs> that's a, that's a really complex. <laughs> I don't get that. What Castle about if I get with, 
Castle what about Felix? You've had a few beers, you need to go to the Chris Bog. Aye, and also, maybe. when you get to the Chris Bog, you get your Lee Cox out in the Chris Bog. Well, after you've had Good a few Gil Blumensteins. <laughs> also, in Wellspoon, you always see lots of Connor Salt and Peppers on the table. Or what Connor about, Bells, for that matter. What about those German bars when you drink the Jordan Weiss beer? <laughs> Do you remember that old Scottish ale, uh, Jimmy Cotter's Cumel? Yeah. Stevie, Stevie, you used to go to the Robbie Benson and Hedges from the Machine in the Corner all the time, didn't you? I loved it because the beers were full oh. and the Mark, the Mark Fridges were full. You like that one, Ross? First Robbie Benson reference in the pod, I love it. <laughs> I've got them all here. I mean, Suff likes to partake of a Shandy Robertson. <laughs> no. Give me more 90 stuff, I like that. Any more for any more? Yeah, Re- Rally, your missus won't be a bottle of a Paul Cherry brandy anymore now. She's, she's probably... I know. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. The, the, the left fridge is empty now. Yeah. Or an Alan Morgan's <laughs> Coke. Keep them coming. Or a Martini Glancy. Oh, oh that's, that's, the f- that's the winner. That's the winner. Well, wait till oh, my I, last one. I like Chris Ball. That was my favourite. I've got my last one. Are you finished? Wayne had a coat, but so pissed he lost it. Had a coat. It's not bad. It's not bad. Come on. Ah, it's not bad. It's took me ages to do that. I'm going to finish off this section uh, with a wee, a wee story uh, about a Cali Thistle player who's actually had a beer named after him. Um, I saw the other month that Cowden Beef had released a few beers to make some money. They were walking, uh, working with a local Fife brewery and one of them was called Up The Road. An ex-Cowden hero and one-time Cali Thistle player, Brian Gilfillan, uh, he came through in the same youth group as Ali Ridgers and Neil McDonald, um, was tagged in this on Twitter. So I messaged Brian about it to see what the deal was. And he said, I was pleasantly surprised by, by it, to be honest. We beat Cove in our playoff game a couple of seasons ago uh, to keep us in League Two. And then at the end of the game, things got a little heated between both sets of fans. Then they got heated between both sets of players with a few verbals and a few sendings off at the end of the game. Uh, and as we were going off the pitch, a large number of Cove fans, mutants, came running over uh, to the fence to verbally abuse us. So I squared, out to the, squared up to them and I shouted, Get yourselves up the fucking road! <laughs> and that spawned a beer. So, and then he said, not a great story, but that's the script, bud. So fair play. And he had a, Brian Gilfill and the only Cali Hustle player ever have a beer named after him. Fair play to you, Brian. Sean Rooney, remember him? Remember when we finished second in the truncated league last season? People are now talking about Sean Rooney for Scotland, where they talk about us for League One. We talked to Sean about sliding doors and Scotland Cups. I chose St Johnston just because obviously I want to play the highest level I can. That's what everybody wants to do in their career. No disrespect to anybody, you know what I mean? But you want to play the highest level you can. You want to go and test yourself against the best, the best, the best, the best players in the league, against well, Celtic and Rangers and that. Um, and obviously... Um, that being the case and speaking to Tommy Wright as well and speaking to Jamie obviously who went in January um, it was just that was the sort of club that was sort, was actually like Inverness everything was sort of run, run the same and, and obviously having such a good time up in Inverness I came I down the road and everything was the exact same here and it still is the same obviously just different, a different manager but you can have a lot of you can have a laugh everybody the changing rooms are probably similar everybody's there for the same reason and we're all still young and hopefully we can all kick on 
How have you found it then? I mean, I, I loved your line the other day when you were talking to the BBC about if the manager had played you for the start, you'd uh, you'd been further up the league, so that was brilliant. So I hope you'd have been fine for that, mate. But how is it coming in? Because I know Callum brought in that boy, Danny McNamara. I think he worked with him at Millwall, didn't he? So you knew him. Uh, so was that about to kick the teeth when obviously you're playing every week for Marais and you go in and you're, you're literally um, on the bench the first few months? Uh, well, just obviously, um, he brought in Danny McNamara and you could see that it, it was good when he first came into training session. Um, but obviously, it makes you up your game as well because you want to be the, the, the name of the team sheet. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, um, against Kilmarnock, I went in at centre half because Jamie, uh, he had a thigh strain or he was a bit injured, or he was tight somewhere. And I went into centre half, and as you know, it wasn't my best game that I've ever played. And I gave away a mistake <laughs> for a goal, but that happens, you know what I mean, in football. And it was all mm-hmm. about trying to bounce back for that and try to cement my place and just to basically go on and do what I'm doing and because I know I can perform better and mm-hmm. where I'm other now and obviously it's good to be playing that and aye Was that a wee dent we obviously feeling a bit low after that and thinking what's going to happen here um, Nah actually I didn't know I knew I'd made a mistake and obviously and I'd just go on and be the exact same person I'm off. I'll go mm-hmm. on and I'll be happy obviously it did. I, w- I was doing that night, but then he stopped me from having a couple of beers because we won. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think people forget you won that day as well, mate. So it's uh, so let's let's talk about this. I mean, it's a Sean Rooney Cup, isn't it? The better Frey Cup. This is, I mean, if the shoot, if, uh, if there was fans there, mate, you'd be you'd be getting shouted about a statue in Perth, mate. I'm sure. So let's talk about the semi final first, mate. I mean, I think you said it in the, the interviews after the final. Um, you played at Queen's Park. I think that's a big thing for players that played at Queen's Park. They're used to playing that pitch, especially you with the amount of um, reals you're putting in. Did that help then, the familiar surroundings? And obviously, Queen's Park had no fans anyway, so it was probably like a Queen's Park game in the semi final. Um, it was good, obviously. Just, just playing me, Queen's Park, you're in, you're in and amongst Hamden. You know what it's like. You make the walk You make the walk every second week, you know what I mean? You're, I was in plus, I was in the same changing room where they, they were in, so it makes it makes everything easier. Um, so uh, it's an absolute it was a joy uh, to be back there obviously on the massive stage as well and a cup final probably good for you, your missus that you probably didn't have any fans there because I'd imagine if you'd been up to Perth on that bus you'd have been probably still up there mate so I think it was a, a couple of quiet beers in the house after wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I, I definitely would still be up there I'd be sleeping in the car park <laughs> till the night and then going down to Hamden <laughs> 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 no, so you I'm, I'm hoping the chairman gets in four kegs of fresh tenants for the party <laughs> whenever it is, and I'll be spanking them all. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, mate. So I need to touch on this, mate, and it, 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 I, and I think there's some truth to this. This this rumor about Scotland Euros. Um, what do you think here? And yeah, I know you're not going to say you'd, you'd like it called up, but obviously you'd love to get called up to your country, surely. Ah, definitely. Um, I would love to get called up, but. It's, there's players there who know how he plays and especially no being a friendly probably it's competitive games that are coming up it probably mm-hmm. doesn't put that in my favour um, but obviously as what you want and getting a Scotland cap in any age of your life would be incredible any messages we're hurting at the moment because we've been minced the last couple of weeks so any, um, any messages for MLS fans and get us I, through this Obviously, you just got to keep on. The team, the team will keep on going. They'll keep on fighting. I speak to Welsh. I speak to Big Toshney. They've been putting it in the training uh, uh, field. Do you know what I mean? So, I think probably Neil McCann coming in will give them a fresh sort of lift. Um, 
know that probably the gaffer, John, uh, was doing a bad job, but it's just like, I know everybody's got to fight for their positions. Nothing's set in stone. Uh, we have a new gaffer coming in, as you know. Um, he's got to go and you've got, everybody's got to go and work hard and show that they're worthy of a start. And hopefully they, they, they can all do that and they can all get better. And obviously the results start picking up. John Rooney done absolutely amazing for himself um, since he obviously, I don't, I'm sure you wouldn't mind us talking about he had his, his personal tra- tragedy and that sort of made him strive on to do a lot better for himself in his life and he's doing absolutely phenomenal now. People are talking about him for Scotland. Um, just really nice to hear from him, why, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think it's that strength of character that we've talked about before, the way that in his second season last he just totally upped it and Possibly the you know the the loss he suffered did kind of motivate him to do that, but he obviously went to St Johnson, kind of um, suffered the same sort of um, doubt perhaps among some of the supporters that he could make the step up, and just kind of thought, "Not, I'm going to prove you wrong." And you just see the, the character of the guy. People are talking about him for Scotland now. Um, whether that happens or not, it's absolutely fantastic that he's done it, and he's a total personality as well. Okay, coming up, we're going to have league look ahead. We're going to add a new section into this one and controversially, we're going to call it, obviously not hopefully, controversially, we're going to call it League One Look Ahead. Let's get that into the open now. Then, then, we'll, then we'll go through the games that we've got coming up. We can't beat the teams around us. Uh, we look lost whenever we can see the goal. We're short of confidence. We're adapting to a new manager. We have no fans in the ground to either get behind the team or berate them and either would make a difference. And unfortunately, if we did go down, then they, everybody would have an excuse. Everybody at the club would actually have a valid excuse. So who in that dressing room, or is it the body of players themselves, are going to galvanise the club to get the wins that we need to get us to safety? Because that's what we're talking about here. We've already touched on the guys. David Carson, Scott Allardyce. You see the spirit of those guys. Um, the coach from Wallace Duffy as well. I think that Neil McCann has learned from his mistakes early in the job. He's become more pragmatic. He's brought in Dobbs. And if you look at the way we set up against Wraith um, on Friday night, I think you can see a blueprint there for a solid a solid team that takes us to fifth place, which is where I think we'll finish. Same as um, Ross said there, I think I, 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 think I said um, six, and I'll be, I'll be happy if we get six at the moment. But yeah, I think listening to Carson's comments, I think, He's taking the responsibility. Well, we need three or four players to take some younger players under their arm and say, look, we are in the shit. And I don't think that's 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 a lie. We are in a battle. I'm not going to say it's a relegation battle. I don't think we are. I think we're in a, a dog fight to sort of solidify my Stevie, table. Stevie, 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 that's wrong. And that's the sort of thinking that got us in this trouble in the first place. We are in a relegation battle. Everybody in the bottom half of the table is. Do you know what I heard the other day? I heard an interview with John McGlynn, right? And John McGlynn still refuses to not countenance relegation. John McGlynn is talking about the number of points required to not be in that in that area. That's what we need to be looking at. My oh, I agree. I mean, I'm, I've been, I'm being optimistic, obviously. I mean, I'm always glass half full, but yeah, we should, we, we, listen, see all this stuff about on paper, we should be in that position. Part of this should be in League One. Falkirk should be in League One on paper. I mean, or it should be the bottom end of the table, but I think there's enough in that team to get us up the table, but we need a few of the leaders, the Carsons, the, the Ridgers, you know, even, even somebody like Brad McKay, who's been through relegation. Some boys have been relegating the club. I mean, they know what it's like, and I'm going off a tangent here, but if we did get relegated, people lose their jobs as football players, so I think the players need to realise it's bigger than just on the pitch. This is, 
this is people's livelihoods here, so hopefully that resonates with some of their performances soon. Whilst it seems to have been the kind of rookies, if you like, in the team in the shape of uh, Duffy and Allardyce who have come out and trying to you know, raise his spirits and stuff ahead of the, the game against um, Wraith on Friday night, you know, trying to temper that a little bit. We, we don't obviously know exactly if any, you know, what, if anything, has been said maybe on the training ground or in the changing room by some of the other guys. So, you know, there, there could well be some of the more experienced folk um, in the team, you know, trying to lift spirits and stuff. Um, I, th- I think there's, I think there's, there's too much put on wanting to see publicly, you know, on the pitch, you know, players kind of, you know, come on, boys, let's get going. And um, I don't know, I just. Uh, there was a comment made, I think it was during the Morton game, about you know Ridgers not being able to influence teammates from where he is on the pitch and stuff. Every one of those players in the pitch can influence one another if they choose to. I think uh, I think you know the, the whole you know we need a captain you know further up the pitch is a bit of a lazy point to be honest. Um, you, you, the way that it's been talked about, you think it was solely down to Ridgers to try and lead the players out of the me- out of the mess we're in. Every one of them has got a responsibility to do it. Carson said, and, and, I, and I would class Carson as one of the more experienced players in the squad, he said that one of the reasons he played so well last night at the Race Overs game was he communicated with Richards and with Brad McKay. They talked him through the game because it was an alien position. And I think leadership's part of it, but you need to communicate. I don't think when you see the players that they're talking to each other as much as what they should be. And it's all about maybe just even even a kick in the ass or a pat in the back, just seeing like good tackle, shit tackle. But the, se- the senior spine of this team in terms of um, having played at a higher level for a number of years um, should uh, well, divine who I think needs to concentrate on his own game really because he's mistake prone and you know we've got problems at the back four but Welsh and Keatings you would think would be the two guys who have got the most experience to pass on and to lead and they haven't found any rhythm at all in their seasons, and I think that's that's one of our biggest problems is that those those two senior players haven't haven't had good seasons, and so haven't been able to lead by example. You know, we we've not really probably expected to be fighting for our lives through the championship, and we've probably not recruited along those lines either. Really, when you consider how we uh, did last season, so you know, is there an argument to be made that we? you know, currently don't have the players that, you know, you might need for this kind of battle. All right, let's move on a little bit. Was McCann the right appointment? A simple question, Ross. No, I don't think he was. I think we should have, um, I mean, we, we covered it a lot of the last pod about his determination to play in a particular way, and I, I think that's not what we needed. But I don't know what our options were. I would have preferred somebody who, who, who would have been more pragmatic from the outset. But I think I think McCann. I think there are signs that McCann has understood the job that he has now. Um, it's a job to keep us up, and certainly in the Wraith game, there were signs he'd understood that and he'd understood how to go about that. I think I think bringing in Billy Dodds is also a sign of understanding what needs to be done. So I mean, McCann McCann will be the right appointment if we do finish mid table. Um, I don't know what I don't know what Gardner's options were. I just think more importantly than that is just the fact that we knew that McCann was somebody who would try and play in this particular way. You know, we we did our we did our homework. We did we, we did that last pod, and everything was pointing towards McCann insisting that we change our playing style completely. And he did that, and you could argue we've chucked away how many points as a result. 
Yeah. Um, whereas if if you look at the air performance, the, really Robo stepped away after that air game where we dug out three points with with a really solid midfield, a really committed, pragmatic approach, and somebody to bring that on in that style would have been the obvious thing to yeah. do. And they've gone they've gone pretty left field with McCann in a sense. I've seen it suggested online that some people think that Charlie Christie should have just been given the job. If Charlie Christie's not engaged with the the current leadership of the club and if Charlie Christie has been out of the game for some time then and we know he has then that we can't say that that would have gone any better obviously he's been manager of the club before and Gardner said that I think in his statement that he would be available to help um, the McCann, uh, Neil McCann if needed and I think Charlie has met Neil McCann and whatnot but I don't think at any point was was Christie offered the job was he Stevie? Well Charlie's seen in Callis Online some statements and in the local press he's been contacted by journalists that um, he flew out didn't want the job and and I'd heard that he was doing some stuff with the, work with the academy that was going to come to fruition later on in the year but as Charlie told me yesterday all youth football suspended as we know he's doing nothing he's pretty pissed off that these rumours have come out that he didn't want the job Charlie would have taken it in a heartbeat he, he knows the club he was working with Robbo for Eight to ten days prior to the Bucky game, when obviously we, we didn't know at the time, but Kel wasn't there. Charlie's local, knows the club, is involved with the club. About four of those players, Charlie brought through the youth, youth team. And um, yeah, he was a bit pissed off that these rumours came out that he didn't want the job when he was never asked yeah. or had spoken to anyone. So just want to clear that up for everyone. I think, I think the, import, the important point to make is that he's not he's not sniping Neil McCann. He's not no. trying, to get, trying to get a job or anything like yeah. that because he's actually met Neil McCann. He's talked to Neil McCann. Yeah. Um, he thinks he's a he thinks he's a great appointment. He's a really good guy. It's just that Charlie, I think, would have been interested in the job himself. And, and also Scott as well, Murphy. Get someone yeah. with Scott. And this, this isn't us digging at the club and no. saying there's lies out there. It just there seems to be rumours in the local press where Charlie's been contacted by people from the press, local and national, to say why didn't you want the job? And that's not the case. Charlie's not what piss everyone off in the club. You know, it's not. This isn't Charlie telling the, the club that they've done something wrong. He respects the decision, but it's just this rumour about him not wanting to help out, and I think it shows the guy who loves the club with all his heart. He's a, he's a Cali man through and through, and uh, just doesn't want these rumours to, to grow. Okay, league look ahead. Uh, where are the wins coming from? Presently, we're on 21 points at the time of recording. If you judge this on last season, Aloha finished 8th with 31 points. So, to get, And this is the only thing you can compare it with last season because they're both truncated seasons. So how do we get there? We need three wins and a draw, or we need two wins and four draws. Either way you look at it, I think that's a bit of a tough ask. And we'll continue our alcoholic pub theme as well. How does, how does the team go about assembling um, these points for the Great Escape? And Tuesday the 16th of March, we've got Wraith away. Did you know that Kirkcaldy has got 10 cocktail bars, Stevie? In cocktail bars. Ten cocktail bars in uh, Kirkcaldy. No, no, no. I, I know they've got a nice bowling alley where we went pre-match one time, but no. I think you made that up. Uh, right, how does... <laughs> Mc, how, how does Mc, I mean, some people will be listening to this after we've actually... The game's been played, but how does McCann approach this game, sort of given that we've just played them a matter of days earlier? We might not have... I might not have too much to kind of play with given there's so many players out injured or currently nursing knocks. Um, I was a little bit surprised that he didn't make use of anyone from the bench on Friday night um, but maybe he's uh, maybe he's been stubborn with Keaton's obviously signed that pre-contract maybe someone like Duffy's carrying a knock so they didn't want to risk him coming on um, I'm a bit more optimistic for the game against Wraith on Tuesday than I was 
before the game last night. I thought we handled them really well, obviously, so hopefully we'll take some confidence in going into the game in a couple of days' time. But at the same time, it'd be good to be able to freshen things up because McGlynn, by all accounts, that wasn't race normal kind of lineup. Um, you've normally got someone like Ross Matthews in there. Um, it's been pretty consistent for them this season, so it was a bit of a surprise to see him drop out. He's probably going to be able to shuffle his pack. I don't think we're going to have the same luxury, so they might be a wee bit fresher going into that one. Just hopefully Story is fit enough to come back, because I think because of his strength and pace, um, he would probably bring a bit more. And I think that Rovers defence looked like it could be intimidated, you know. And I don't think it'll be nil-nil again. There were far too many chances that somehow didn't go in. So I think there'll be goals in the game. I also really hope that um, Wraith bring on uh, Tammy Abraham's brother. Is everybody aware of what his first name is? Yeah, Timmy. Yeah, you couldn't make make that up. (laughs) It's beautiful. Um, Um, Okay, Saturday the 20th of March, Dunfermline away. Do you know that there's an alcohol-free spirit and it's from Fife? It's called... um, Water. Faragia, the spirit of wild earth. And its its tagline is, you actually don't feel like you're not drinking alcohol. Uh, I'll go to AY with that. How many many double negatives can you fit into something? I don't know. I'm still trying to kind of like parse that sentence, and it's still meaning absolutely nothing to me. You if you're asking me about a prediction about the game, I've absolutely no idea. And that sums up the league. It's so unpredictable, and I think all the teams are poor. Dunfermline, we thought would be Hearts' closest challengers this year, and they are actually sitting second at the moment. But the last five league games have involved alternating wins between Morton, Alwyn, and Wraith, and then defeats to Queen of the South and our both. And there's absolutely no logic to it. No. So um, they can they can score goals, and that's what worries me because we don't really score enough. So I think they might win. Well, I think if you look at the the performance against the Fremont at the start of the season, I know it was early on. I think we competed, and I mean we've not been doing all right all season, boys. No one's battered us, and we've competed against Hearts. And I think the air game is probably an example where I thought we'd get a do in that day. I know we were below us in the time at the time, and obviously the, the conditions weren't great, but. We play better against teams that come out and play against us. Wraith Rovers tried to come out and play against us on Friday night. And uh, you're assuming that when we go to places like Dunfermline, places like Wraith, they're going to come out and play. And I think that suits us rather than a team that's going to sit back and try and play us on the counter. All right, Tuesday, 23rd of March. Um, oh, it's the Scottish Cup. We're going to be playing Bucky Thistle in the Scottish Cup that's actually going ahead. Uh, what I've got written down here is story about Buckfast. Enter... Riley. That's where a certain song um, about Mitch Curry um, came about at um, Morton last season. And I won't sing the song because the boys heard me um, sing it all day. But yeah, that was a day where it was just. I thought I'll go back to Buckfast. I'd, I'd been on the Mad Dog for a few months and thought <laughs> it's getting a bit cold. Let's let's alternate your um, your Ned drinks and go back to Buckfast. And um, yeah, um, Mitch, Mitch Curry song came out and also We Want to Fight, based on the whole Carp Stike platform on the way home. Um, Thankfully, no one took me on because it probably knocked me over by a fart because I was that pissed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's my story about Buckfast, and I've not touched a drop since. Thank right. D- right. Do we actually, let's be serious here, do we want to be knocked out of this competition? Do we want to be playing Ross County in the next round? Of course, if, we want to play I mean, Ross County. Dave, David, Carson talk, David Carson talked about it, it could you know, give him a boost in their season. He's really looking forward to the Scottish Cup. As fans, are we really looking forward to the Scottish Cup? Who doesn't want a game against County? Exactly, ever. Exactly. How dare any any Cali fan say I don't want to play County in the Scottish Cup? If you if that's what you're thinking, then just fuck off. There is part of me that does think like that, but then there's also another part. Yeah, of me. Fuck off. 
<laughs> language, please, Ross. Uh, industrial language there. There is part of me that thinks like that, but there's another part of me that thinks the team is still quite low on confidence. Would an absolute pumping by Ross County, you know, do more harm than it's actually worth going up against them? Um, I'm really not sure. Uh, part of me just kind of wants us just to stay in the championship. And if it means getting thumped by Bucky or County or whatever, I'm pretty much willing to do anything just to see us survive this season. That, that's how concerned I am about relegation. I'd like sub, sub, imagine a defeat of Bucky for confidence, so mate. So I, don't, I get your point, and I'm, I'm with you on the. I don't want to get pumped off County, but imagine Bucky Thistle beat us. So how would that be for your confidence? I'd like to think we can take care of Bucky, given they've only played four games in months, so they're going to be rusty as anything. So probably getting past them shouldn't be too much of an issue, but I'm not really in anything out this moment in time. All right, Saturday, the 27th of March, Arbroath at home, playing against uh, Ross's pal, the Ferma. I just think if we are in a relegation battle, then that game and the next game against Morton become the most important games of the season. Yeah. Um, because we finish with um, Dundee at home, Hearts away, and then Air at home. So those two games, Arbroath and Morton, um, both uh, Arbroath at home and then Morton away, become the very most important games of the season. Um, I'm, I'm not going to predict how they'll go. Uh, if, you are, if, you, if you are looking at these games, I, w- I would advise you to look at our um, betting partner, which is my bookie. Um, <laughs> he is a proud sponsor of the pod, and uh, we thank him for their continued support. And as always, when you're betting, please gamble responsibly. And... Um, yeah, good luck with all your your betting. Let's take you back down to Gayfield Way, scene of some of uh, Inverness's abominations in recent times, but also more recently, home to the dulcet tones of Angus's commentator, match summariser, entrepreneur and poet, Arbroath FC's The Firmer. Ross had a blather. Listen to the one I'll draw. Yeah, really. I mean, that's obviously where we gave you a shout. It's one we enjoyed, you know, the most because you could tell that it was two guys that really cared about the about the club, you know. But some of the clubs just try and be a wee bit too professional rather than, you know, give, giving I'm, you. I'm, I'm boring, but professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a howler on Saturday, like. <laughs> I think I, I I I had the word hell thrown in there. I got a wee bit rocked up at the referee and. Oh, you had six goals in 45 minutes. That's a lot to cope with. That's a lot to cope with. Yeah. Uh, right. So I uh, don't worry about don't worry about howlers or swearing in this podcast. We're not regulated by anybody uh, apart from ourselves. So uh, delighted to welcome uh, Alan Innes, uh, aka the Fermer of Arbroath TV. Um, Alan, uh, first up, are you actually a farmer? And if so, what do you farm? Aye, I'm a farmer. Aye, uh, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, and blueberries. You know the all the healthy stuff. Sure, you'll see that. Be looking at me, but that's what I do. Aye, yeah. Berries, only berries. No, no I've animals. Tatties. Got a puckle tatties and a puckle barley, but mostly berries, like you can. Got about a thousand folk. We'll look after doing here. Sound a healthy farmer. So, how'd you go? How'd you go from that line of work to becoming the championship's preeminent co-commentator? 
Uh, just being an idiot, I think. Uh, I could do quite, quite a lot for the club and help the club boot. And then I was trying to remember what the day it was. There was a morning on the phone. One of the guys phoned and he says, are you watching the game? And I says, I will be. He says, you couldn't help the suit and come down in gear. And, and I use this word loosely, an expert opinion. So uh, that's what I did then. Uh, I had a I had a go at Dunair and the the feedback was quite good. I think I was against Dunfermline. The feedback was quite good, even for well, mere so for the away fans and the home fans to be fair. But uh, aye, so that's how it was. And then I just asked them to come back. So so uh, Ewan seems to be quite happy with me. Quite enjoying it to be fair. So anyway, on on to the pitch, our broth they had a really slow start. Um, and then have gone since the turn of the year on this fantastic run, um, Queen of the South game apart, eight, eight games unbeaten, four wins and four draws. So what what changed there? How did Nick Campbell get that? Uh, well, first of all, with some decent signings, we've got some signings in again in the transfer window. Young Jack Hamilton, Ben Williamson, uh, to, to get the two main guys, they were very good. Uh, and you can, I think, in fact, but you can sometimes your team just clicks. Uh, that worked and I we'd had a lot of I didn't think we'd played bad. And I said that's a fort lad. We didn't play bad up till Christmas. We just weren't like getting the look of the kind of the rub. Uh, so after that we, we we did it. He Bobby Lynn came on. I mean Bobby's a big thing for us. Bobby came on to the game as well. So uh that was that was a good thing. I think it's the new new starts did it. It kind of fired them up. They got a game and it kind of made the older boys want to play. But there's a, a young guy, Jack Hamilton for Livingston. He cares where the goal is. Uh, nice guy as well, so quite keen and tenacious. Uh, and then there's a young boy, Ben Williamson, uh, Rangers, uh, Rangers Loney. Christ, he's good. He's he's he's. Uh, I mean, we had Miko Vertanen. Mm-hmm. Aye. We had to give Miko back. Aberdeen recalled him. Uh, I I would say that Ben's pro- Ben's a step above Miko, and Miko was good. So, so kind of start of the season when we were doing our predictions, none of us had our growth down as being in the bottom two after the season you had last season. Um, and then getting towards Christmas, the points just weren't coming. It was looking like you were, you were you know, going to have to fight relegation again. Are you pretty confident at staying outside of that bottom two now? Aye, I think so. It was squeaky bomb time for a while. There's no two doubts about that. Uh, I think we'll be... It's, you're kidding yourself. I mean, look what you boys are in the league. I mean, you shouldn't be there either. It's, I'd like to think we're going to avoid it. I mean, we're sitting in eighth just now. I'd like to think that would be that would be as low as we'd go. Although I, I'm I'm going to speak our bros up because I think we're doing very well. I think we we'll, we could be up there. I'm I'm, I'm thinking we're looking for sixth or seventh. I'm thinking. And fourth is fourth completely out of your mind because I mean you were in a late charge for fourth last season, and it you know it just takes a stringing a couple of wins together and you can wind up there. Uh, fourth, I mean, let's let's. I would love it. Uh, Queen of the South occupying that position at the moment, and they're a fair team. Well, nobody fancied uh, that two months no. ago. Nobody foresaw that. No, uh, they've clicked. They've probably been the the revelation team for me. I think they've been the they've been the sh- the, the outstanding. But earlier on, just a four. Well, just after Christmas, actually, Carly was the Eden's. I was. I think. I thought you boys would 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 stroll up and. We were speaking about Morton and teams like that. I'm saying, well, that's why we're going to play against. That's why we're battles at. Let's not worry about Cali. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it seems that Queen of the South... I mean, Dundee's not even been that impressive, really. Uh, 
although saying that they're probably going to pump us on Saturday now. I've said that, like, <laughs> but uh, they've not been that uh, impressive. So, Air United's had a, a, a difficult back end season, I would say. Yeah, I kind of see it. I'm, I'm hoping we'll be about seventh or eighth. I mean, six, six, seventh or eighth, about there. I'm, I'm going to be realistic. You boys could take a later on. You see, you've got a couple of games. Well, you've got one game in hand. You, you boys could come up, but you've been struggling a wee bit. That sounds like you're tipping us for ninth there. Um, <laughs> I think a, a few of us Sorry. are doing that. We could be, we could be facing a relegation playoff. How do you see Inverness more generally as a club? Have you been up there? Have you enjoyed an away day up there? Oh, 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 that's my favourite. What a time we have when we're up there. We absolutely love it. You stay there. the night. Have a Saturday night. Aye, so we usually get on. So that last time uh, we was up there, so we got on the train. We're supposed to go via Aberdeen, but train was cancelled for some reason. So we ended up going via Perth. We met up, the, the train was absolutely bouncing. It's been my best away day for years. Uh, got up to Inverness, and we went to the hotel, absolutely out in the pubs again. Uh, then I walked the game, back up, man, Inverness at night, usual usual haunts. Uh, and then uh, bedtime, up in the morning, ready to go, bluttered. <laughs> so we can, we can say the same for us, certainly a few of us in the podcast, our broth is absolutely our favourite away day. You know, whether it's for the Smokies, the Dodgems, uh, changing ends at halftime, falling in the sea, whatever it may be. Uh, but uh, we all know Tatties across the road, and mm-hmm. you alluded to it in your commentary, but where else would you suggest we go drinking next time we're in Arbroath? Ah, so, so Tatties are good. The station's quite good, up beside the, just, well, <laughs> closing the name right now, up beside the train station. It's quite good. Uh, you'll get decent there. If you can get a wee bit further up, you get some of the older haunts up there, like the, the Bar 1320. Used to be the old stag. It'll give you a wee bit of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you hang about later on at night, you'll get into DeVito's, getting a wee bit of dancing. Uh, so they're all good. There's a central bar's quite good. Depends what you're looking for. Uh, but if well, you just need good old-fashioned drinking, that's the kind of pubs to go. Oh, there's even the Westport as well. So... Well, that's a good long list for next time we're in our growth. I hope we're. I just hope we're in the same division next season. As you can hear, we're starting to worry, uh, but maybe, maybe, maybe we'll more likely to see you down in League One in the near future. Uh, and if we do end up <clears throat> looking at the way things are now, if we do end up uh, in a playoff against Montrose, have you got a message for them? <laughs> I'm a <allowed> loose <to> swear. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, more. Fuck it, more. <laughs> All right, Alan. That, that, that'd be a good in a, a playoff against Montrose. I'd come and watch you. I'd come and watch you, and 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 bring a big a big a big Cali top, and I'd put it on for you now. What's the crap like, Ross? He sounded like the sort of guy you would like love to go for a pint with. Was he good crack to chat to them? I think he's had a few pints in his time. He was uh, he was definitely good crack to chat with. Um, I know he maybe goes a bit over the top in the commentary sometimes, but like, like I say, for me, that's what exactly what's missing from our commentary is just a bit of the culture of the club, the accent of the area, and just a bit of passion, you know. And that's what that's what he gives to. Yeah, Bro's guy's been one of the best. I mean, also the air commentators were really good and stuff, and yeah, it, it just shows a lot about about passion for your club and actually fans that know what they're talking about when they're, they're commentating on their, on their own football team and uh, just a bit of character, I don't think, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think the firm says us as much as some of our commentators do, but yeah, you can see his passion comes through and uh, it's very authentic, so yeah. Yeah, top man, top man.
Nightmare Eleven. There's a there's there's, there's obviously <laughs> there's many obvious jokes for this one, and I'm going to ignore all the nightmare jokes and just going to go over to Ay. Okay, for the, this episode of Nightmare Eleven, we're looking for a goalkeeper, and because it's a one-off position, we're going to do something a bit different. I'm going to give the listeners four options, and we'll put out a Twitter poll and let you decide. So, if you ask any ICT supporter who our worst ever keeper is, then their instinctive reaction will be to name our first nominee, Zibi Malkowski. But actually, that reputation is really only based on one game. He played just three times for us, and two of those were routine 3-0 and 6-1 wins against Gretna. The game that everyone remembers was a 2-1 home defeat against Aberdeen when he let a Derek Young shot squirm under his body after eight minutes. And then he seemed to go to pieces and kind of came for things he shouldn't have done, and he put every kick out, I think, in the first half in the touch. But to be fair to him, he did have Phil McGuire in front of him, which would have put off uh, Buffon. Um, our second candidate is a bit of a forgotten man in Cali Thistle history. And yet, when he signed, he probably had one of the most distinguished careers of any of our players to date, having played for Leicester, Rangers, Hearts, Aberdeen and Scotland. The problem was, when he joined us, Nicky Walker was a year off 40, and it showed. In his third game for us, he conceded five in the first half against Airdrie. I mean, I don't care how good they were. Nobody fucking concedes five in the first half against surgery. And despite having Bobby Mann and Stuart McCaffrey in front of him, he finished his one season with us with a clean sheets to games ratio of 0.18, which is the worst of any ICT goalkeeper. Then we have a man who, within four hours of stepping off a plane in Inverness for the first time, cost the club its first ever European tie. Uh, to be fair to Owen von Williams, it was probably a mistake by Yogi to pitch him straight in ahead of Ryan Essen when he probably didn't even know his teammates' names. But if you watch that Astra free kick, he's just so slow getting back across his line. And the hand he gets to the ball is like piss weak. He kind of pams it into the roof of the net. Um, he was good enough for the rest of that first season that he managed to get into the Wales squad for the Euros. And then he came back to us on a ridiculous wage. And he was our first choice in a season when we went through a sequence of 23 league games with only one win, and he kept only three clean sheets. And then he hung around for two more seasons, exhibiting his paintings in Dingwall bookshops, but not actually football. <laughs> um, he's a lovely guy, though. For the uh, final nomination, so I mean, so far, that's um, Malkowski, Walker, and Fon Williams. And for the final nomination, I was going to go for Mickey Fraser, because I had some memory of him slagging off our supporters, but when I looked for evidence of it, I couldn't find it anywhere. And he apparently coached some of our young keepers, and he did pull off the best save of any ICT keeper I've ever seen in that um, 3-2 win against Celtic. So I've kind of spared him, and I've gone for a bit of an outlier, which is Johnny Tuffy. Uh, people might argue that he didn't get a chance, but if he was as good as everyone says he was when he signed, then he would have signed, uh, challenged Ryan Essen more than he did. And in his nine games in 2011-2012, we lost five, drew two of the other four, and he managed to lose two own goals in a single match against Aberdeen, which speaks of all sorts of ineptitude. And he, I'm gonna, I'll say this allegedly, but I got it from the club physio at the time, he allegedly used to play flute band music in the dressing room, which, even if you don't mind the sectarian connotations of that, it's unspeakably bad in terms of his taste in music. Mailbag with Andrew Sutherland, your friendly online postman. Uh, you want to do that again, Moff? <laughs> nah, I, I, nah, can't be bored. <laughs> um, right, just three ones that I've picked out. Um, 
Nathan McKenzie, if we were to get two loan players in before the loan window closes at the end of the month, which two positions would you consider most in need? For me, a centre-half and a striker. Um, oh, a strong organising centre-half like Darren Dodds or Gary Warren and a striker who's composed in the box can hold up the ball and is the natural finisher like Dennis Wenis or Billy Mackay when he was uh, at his prime. But obviously, yep. they're not about. Concur. A number nine. Well, listen, let, let's start using some of these contacts we have. I mean, Aberdeen owes a loan player three, don't they? Come on. Why do, we have, why do we have no loan players? Well, that's the thing. I mean, Rob has always said that he would only bring in players that are equal or not better than what we have. But every other team in the division has loan players that are very good. So It's COVID, though, isn't it? I mean, if you're, you're in the same It's location belt, again. It's, yeah, it's location again. Lee ICTFC, if you could have one player re-signed to save our season, who would it be and why? Ryan Christie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think uh, if you see any player, so any player from any time, I would say like, see if we had like a Paul Cherry type. Paul Cherry in the middle of the park. I've got to say Bobby Mann. I think so. I would we, t- we start at the back and organise from the back. So No, I, no, I would take Paul Cherry to just win shit in midfield. Although we do have a couple of them already. Paul Cherry is the archetype. I it's, it's an absolutely wild take to say that you'd have Paul Cherry over Ryan Christie. I mean, I know he's had a frustrating season, but <laughs> no, I would. Do you know so what? Do you know what? Right. Do you know what? I would have Paul Cherry over Ryan Christie. But that's not where we need listen, a player. In the in the situation in the situation we were in, I would have eleven Paul Cherries. Oh, that's... Paul Cherry listens to his pod. Paul Cherry's living in uh, Murcia, I think, Spain, and he did say that he does listen well, to the pod. Paul, so... even Paul, Paul Cherry's Paul... telling you to fuck off, more. Paul, <laughs> if you've got any, <laughs> Paul, Paul, if you've got any old strips, <laughs> if you've got any old strips, Paul, sign them, send them to me. I'll get them on my wall. Cheers. <laughs> uh, last one then. Uh, regular uh, contributor Scott Bambi. Uh, what is the worst Cali Thistle result you've witnessed, and what was so bad about it? The worst Cali Thistle result I've ever witnessed is. Scott Bambi getting his arse handed to him with his uh, Instagram photos <laughs> photographs on Twitter. I, I don't see Scott, Scott, if you're listening, I'll let you mate, but please change that photo. It's, uh, I mean, uh, we all love dogs. Bit. We all love dogs. Yeah. And I'll say, I don't think Scott Bambi's going to be on um, James Keaton's Christmas card list. Boom. So um, <laughs> I have to get in. But um, <laughs> I, Scott, change that photo, mate. In what the hell? How you doing? No bars or cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. All right, competition time. Uh, Aaron Doran's uh, 25th anniversary shirt from last season was up for grabs on a couple of pods ago uh, from the heady days when we finished second in the league, and um, we have we have done we have done the draw, um, got the tumble out of Sav's cupboard, and he's. Put all the bits and pieces in. Pulled out a winner. Or borrowed it from Neil McCann. Or borrowed it from Neil McCann's tactics. <laughs> tactics tumble. <laughs> and, uh, and Aaron Doran is going to reveal the winner himself. Over to you, Aaron. And the winner of my sewing short is Harris McIndoe. Congratulations. So congratulations, uh, Harris. Uh, Aaron announced the winner there in the style of uh, a robot. Um, <laughs> congratulations, Harris. Actually, genuinely, a really good top, and I think most people will be um, quite jealous to to get that bit of merchandise. Okay, so thanks to everybody for listening. 
anything Cali Thistle can be a bit torturous at the moment, so hopefully that was slightly less torturous in nine minutes on a Saturday, a Tuesday or a Friday. Uh, we'll be back at the end of March, start of April, where things will, will either be monumentally worse or a little better. Uh, let's finish by saying... Guys, if you could say one thing, because I think a lot of the players do listen to this pod, if and there's no fans in the ground, so this might be some of the only interaction they get with uh, fans. If you could say one thing to the players, you know, what would it be? Um, I'm working. Are you working? <laughs> <laughs> and they've heard that before from me, so come on, boys. Nah, I don't doubt their work at all. I, I just want them to know that even though we're not in the stadium, there's a lot of people that really care about this club. And it really matters to us that they that they keep us up. You know, we care. Do you care? <laughs> Get out the poster. I, I, Get out the poster now. <laughs> my my shout my shout at the games for twenty six years has been, "Come on, Cali, get into this fucking shite." So I I just say that. I think some of, some of the players have the joy of playing against uh, Peter Head at the start of last season. If they get relegated, they're potentially going to have to go there again. That should be inspiration enough not to get relegated. Correct shout. Correct. Everything will be okay in the end. Jesus. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's a fucking tattoo. <laughs> all right, Confucius. <laughs> right, we're all off to pray to Confucius, to Jesus, to Allah, to Buddha, Gozer the Gazarian, anybody who's listening. Take care of yourself and each other, and bye for now. Let's get up the fucking road. Jimmy Glide, our man again, the pub where I was born. He played it from the night time to the pace of early morn. He sold the souls of psychos and the men who had the horn. And they all look very happy in the morning. The, the fucking end. Enjoy that edit, like. I probably will enjoy it because I thought it was a good laugh. That was a good laugh, actually. It's all right. Uh, just glad I don't have to edit it. Uh, so, are you still going baking at this time, mate? That's that's amazing. One one member of the pod is going biking and another one's having a kebab. Yep, yep.